When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for joining me on our first training camp 2023 episode of the Buffalo Beat. I am coming to you from the lovely Dorsey Hall here at St. John Fisher University. The Bills are now six days in to their training camp experience and wanted to take the time to kind of go over what we've seen. I know there's a lot of questions about some of the newer players out there, some of the competition, some initial impressions of maybe guys that have looked good and maybe guys that have missed the mark a little bit. So wanted to just basically wait a little bit into camp to do all of that. The first four days, they went through non-padded practices. Uh, day one through three, had a break, and then day four came back. And then these last two days on day five and day six, it was their first two padded practices. And it's led to some maneuvering, but really just more so getting a feel for where these competitions and maybe where there's some potential roster spots to be had um, once the Bills actually get down to the final cutdown day, which is now four weeks from today. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, the afternoon of Tuesday, August 1st, cutdown day to 53 is on August 29th. And still, there is a lot to be learned and a lot of traction to be gained from a lot of these guys because, you know, we're only two padded practices in and there's still preseason games to go here and and five more days of training camp, a lot more practices uh, remaining in Orchard Park. So this is, we're just kind of getting into the groove here of, of the summer practices. But I know at any time training camp comes around, one of the biggest things that fans want to know about that haven't been able to get to the practices themselves. They want to know about the new guys. And mostly this year, that's all the rookies. Um, you know, there are some, some newer free agent signings like Connor McGovern, who has basically, uh, operated as the left guard with the first team unit for most of camp. And that seems like that's pretty much his job here, um, his job to lose. And certainly it seems like it's his job. Uh, you know, David Edwards has mixed in a little bit, but uh, but mostly it's been Connor McGovern. And, you know, outside of him, I mean, you've got, he's got guys like bit players, Deontay Hardy, Damian Harris, um, Trent Sherfield, you know, these types of players that, not really going to make a humongous impact and probably won't even start. So that's why the rookies are the more interesting ones. And really, it's the first three-round guys. First rounder was, of course, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. Second rounder was 
Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida, and the third rounder was the linebacker out of Tulane, Dorian Williams. And all three have at least a case to potentially get into the lineup at some point uh, this season. And, you know, you could heading into training camp, you probably could have talked yourself into any three of them being in the starting lineup to begin the season, period. But I wanted to go case by case here to see, to really tell you what I've seen so far from these guys. And I'll just start it with the guy who they took with their top pick and moved up to trade. That's Dalton Kincaid. So you always have to be careful with rookie players in these early practices, especially non-padded ones, because you don't want to go too far too soon because we have seen such an overwhelming hesitance from the Bills to put these first-year players in a high-snap role right away in their first season. Some guys have a delayed push into that role in their first season. Some guys don't get it at all. And then there's a short list of players that just jump into the fray immediately. And those guys were Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, I guess you could throw Josh Allen into the mix there, even though he didn't technically start his first NFL game when the Bills just got absolutely lambasted on the road by uh, by Baltimore. And that's, you know, that's kind of where it ends for the most part, partially because the Bills have been picking later in the first round, I think, more recently. We haven't really seen a super high snap roll from any of these from from most of these guys. I guess you could throw Greg Rousseau in the mix too even though his rookie season he was below 50% even though he started every game. With all that said, you are looking for first year players that are checking boxes and you judge what you see based on the opportunities that they are inevitably providing themselves based on how they look in camp so far. And everything we have seen so far from Dalton Kincaid through the spring workouts, through the first four days of non-padded practices, and even the last two days of padded practices, everything that I have seen so far indicates that the Bills are very open to having Dalton Kincaid be a legitimately big piece of this offense in 2023. Now, that's not to say he's going to be out on the field 100% of snaps, but the way that the way that they are utilizing him with the first team offense through camp, the way that he's built a rapport so far with Josh Allen um, in in training camp thus far. And along those lines, how he's made himself available, how he's separated from defenders, how he finds the soft spots against zone coverage, how he brings in receptions with ease, and how he's he needs uh, even today during today's practice on day six and needed a, a really great play from Matt Milano uh, in their one minute drill just to prevent him from from making a huge catch down the field from from Josh Allen. All of these are indicators of 
how the Bills could wind up trusting this guy to play a, a pretty consistently large role within the confines of his first NFL season. And that's got to be an exciting thing for them because they have seen some of their early round draft picks not really be able to get on the field in their first season. I mean, just look last year. Uh, cornerback Kyir Elam really wasn't able to get on the field consistently. And even comparing where Kincaid is in his first camp to where Kyir Elam was in his first camp last year, it's night and day here. They have put so much more faith in Kincaid and what he's shown so far. And certainly the opportunity is there for Kincaid, just like it was for Elam last year. But this time around, it seems like Kincaid is grabbing a hold of it. Like I said, still a long way to go, but you look at the potential role. You know, they've got a lot of different pieces that they can mix in. And, you know, you could see Kincaid be in there in two tight end sets uh, where they take out a third receiver. You could see him be in there uh, just straight up for Dawson Knox and continue to go with 11 personnel. And heck, they could even do some funkier things with with formations and, and personnel groupings because of the presence of Dalton Kincaid and the abilities that he has shown so far as a pass catcher. This is not a Dalton Kincaid is going to be an absolute superstar sort of take. This is a, I could really see him playing a, a, a legitimate role and all of the indicators of what you want to see in a player's first camp are good. Now, he needs to check off a few more boxes here. The preseason certainly going to be a big piece of the puzzle here. And whether or not he can continue to win in padded practices, in preseason games, as a pass catcher, and continue to show that rapport with Josh Allen, I mean, if that continues, there would be no reason to kind of keep him on the sidelines just for the simple fact that he's a rookie. And you talk to, uh, you, you hear from a lot of his teammates and, you know, he's checking that box of get, earning the trust of his veteran teammates. So by all accounts, this has been a really strong opening for Dalton Kincaid and the bills and their coaches, the front office have to be feeling really cautiously optimistic, borderline hopeful that they can get a legitimate impact out of out of Dalton Kincaid in his first season before he builds onto it and you know hopefully and for what they hope to have even more potential than than what he could be in year one in future years. So it looks like they've got a good one at least right now in Dalton Kincaid and. I don't know that I would have said the same thing about Kair Elam this time last year. And so it's just, it's interesting kind of weighing the two situations. Uh, even though, you know, it, it, with the fact that both had a clear opportunity for playing time. And it seems like they've, uh, they've done pretty well with Dalton Kincaid to this point. All right, the, uh, the second round pick, Osiris Torrance. So far throughout camp, he has mixed in with the first team offense at right guard. Hasn't been consistent every snap with the first team. The way that they've kind of played it is Ryan Bates 
mixes in at right guard as well with with the first unit. And when Ryan Bates is not with the first team and Osiris Torrance is in, they they utilize Ryan Bates as the second team center in order to get him snaps at that spot because it's looking very much like if anything should happen to Mitch Morse, it would be Ryan Bates as the guy that that is in the starting lineup at center. So they want to make sure that you know Bates is fully prepared for that role and rightfully so i think i think that's that's a smart way to go about it and continue to give your young player that you believe can potentially be a long-term starter at guard some reps early on to see see if he can play a bit of an up and down camp so far from torrance at least in, in my view i've seen him on the ground a little too much um and that's usually a no-no for offensive linemen uh I've seen him be slow to pick up a blitz uh, a few a few separate times. I've seen him struggle in pass protection sometimes, but then there are other times where he's just a a really big guy and he's able to catch a lot of these pass rushing attempts or at least uh, pivot that that defender into a teammate who's blocking another player right next to him. So, like I said, a bit up and down. I don't know that he's necessarily a uh, a lock to be an immediate contributor. I think Ryan Bates has had a, a, a strong camp to this point, and I think he's been the better player of the two. So, Torrance is, at least to me, going to have to really prove that he is a better player right now than Bates. And a lot of that might have to come through preseason work. Maybe it's a situation where the Bills, maybe they split those reps to start the season if Torrance shows enough. But if what we have seen so far continues along into future practices and and into preseason games then I would have to say that Bates is the favorite to begin the year as the starter. But we do know one thing about Sean McDermott is in most years, he is not afraid to make a change to his starting five along the offensive line very early into the season. It has happened like clockwork within the first four weeks of the season. Almost every single year he has been the head coach of the team. The only year it didn't happen was last year because they just had nobody behind behind their starting five. Even though Roger Saffold probably should have been benched last season, they just didn't have anybody to do it. I mean, Ike Butker was still trying to get back from from his torn Achilles from the previous year. And then on top of that, they have Greg Van Roten, David Quesenberry, Tommy Doyle, like not really great options to to move into that starting lineup. So, uh, but a lot of it will depend on camp performance. And to this point, I think Bates has been the better player, and the better player should be the one that plays, regardless of where they were, uh, where they were selected or the investment of it. And that's usually the way they play it too. So, uh, I guess we'll see what happens when Torrance continues to get a bit more acclimated here, but. I think to this point, Bates has been the better player. And then the third round pick, Dorian Williams, 
I'll kind of bake this into where I wanted to take the show next, which is the starting competitions and, and where they kind of sit. Because middle linebacker has been such a heavily publicized one ever since Tremaine Edmonds left in free agency. Dorian Williams has been one of those guys that have you know, third round pick, rookie, impressive athleticism. He's been one of the players that people have hoped could factor into the middle linebacker job. But to this point, we have not seen it through through six days. He has not worked in with the first team alongside Matt Milano on any of the six days. And at this point, you would have to view him, unless he takes a real step forward, as just a backup that they're going to continue to develop while also playing special teams that could factor into the lineup later in the year if things go well in practice or if injuries start to occur and maybe he gets a chance and then just takes it and runs with it. But that's not where he is right now. So this kind of segues into the middle linebacker conversation. So where do things exactly sit with, uh, with middle linebacker? And then we'll get into the second cornerback job after that. Right now, no Dorian Williams. A.J. Klein has not factored into the first team reps at all at middle linebacker. To this point, it has been three players getting reps with the top unit next to Matt Milano. Tyra, the first three days in order, and they split it up by day. Tyrell Dodson on day one. Trail Bernard, the 2022 uh, third round pick on day two. And then day three, the 2022 seventh round pick, Balen Spector, was next to Matt Milano. They kind of, and, you know, that was kind of the signal when they got to day four, and Dodson was the guy next to Milano. That was the signal that those were the three main competitors, at least right now, for that starting job. And just as we expected, it was Terrell Bernard on day five. But day five is notable because that's when the pads went on. And Bernard getting that that day is, and with how much of an emphasis they have put on padded practices, preseason games specifically for that competition, that is, getting reps on those days is such a huge thing to them. So even though the rotation through the first three days was Dotson, then Bernard, and Spector, rather than it going Dotson, Bernard, Spector on days four, five, and six, interestingly, it went from Bernard on day five to Dotson again on day six. Now, this could signal one of two things. I mean, you could look at it as the Bills going... All right, we've seen enough in one day of non-padded practice from Balen Spector to know that he is not going to be a legitimate competitor in, in the starting middle linebacker job. Now, if you just heard what I kind of alluded to, I don't really know. My, my guess would be that that is, is not the case. So... Just looking at it from a logical perspective, 
I wonder if maybe they wanted to get Dodson in the flow of a padded practice, but also wanted to avoid the optics of having Dodson be the first team middle linebacker on both day four, which was a non-padded session, and day five, which was a padded session, to avoid people thinking that he was the favorite or to keep everybody kind of on their toes with within the building about who was uh, where that competition was going. So I guess we will see about Bale Inspector if he is indeed the um, the first team middle linebacker on day seven on Thursday, then that will be the case. I'm even if even if it's Terrell Bernard and they have Bale Inspector the day after that on day eight, I could see that as well. But I do think that. We're still a couple of practices away from knowing if, if Balen Spector is actually out of this thing. I would doubt it. I, in his one day, I, I actually liked what he did in coverage. And I know that's not the biggest piece of the puzzle, but they also haven't seen him operate with the first team when he's trying to defend the run in a more physical manner. So to be determined here and preseason is going to have a big say on into who actually wins this job, but it seems like it's going to be one of those three and, you know, can't really tell you I have a feel for who has the leg up at this point, or at least who has looked the best just because, you know, one padded practice each for Bernard and for Dodson. I would like to reserve what happens in preseason games to gauge who might actually get the go-ahead here. So that's a to-be-determined, but we at least have information now that Dorian Williams, at least for right now, is not in the mix for that starting job. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Then the second cornerback job, which is between Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and Kair Elam. And, of course, Elam is the one that everyone wants to know about. Obviously, the first-round pick from 2022 did not take the job and run with it like many were expecting last year. And certainly has not taken the job and, and ran with it in 2023 either because the door is still very much open for 
one of Elam, Dane Jackson, or Christian Benford to win that job. Now, what they have done through the first six days is what's shaping up as a bit of an elaborate rotation. They're getting time to first team time to usually a couple of players each day. And it seems like each of the entrants is taking their turn not getting that first team time for like a two or three day stretch. At least that's the way it's shaping up because Dane Jackson got first team time through days one through five, did not on day six. Christian Benford got first team time on days one through three, did not on days four or five, and did on day six. And then Kai Elam, Kai Elam did not get first team time days one through three, did on days four through six. So it just seems like they're they're getting a feel for these guys and putting them in different situations and um, just trying to get the most information because it's it's a difficult job and they they want I guess they want to see exactly how they fare in a lot of different situations whether because usually with each practice they have a different set of goals for the offense and the defense uh, on any given day and you know getting a feel for how they can operate and all those is is important but there are a few things that stand out about the second cornerback job that I don't really know that you can uh, well how I'll put it is it's easier to me to get a sense of where that job is right now as opposed to the middle linebacker job because you can get more from the cornerback spot from those earlier practices than you can middle linebacker. So my sense from the early stages, based on what we've seen with the first team units and really the majority of camp, is that to this point, I have thought that Christian Benford has been the best of that trio. Now, that's not to say he's going, this is a one-way ticket to winning the job, but I think he positions himself really well. I think he has the, the brain that they covet out of that position within their defense. I think he has the size that they covet. I think he has the tackling ability that they covet. And when you hear... Defensive backs coach uh, John Butler used the word elite when it comes to Benford's processing. And when you hear general manager Brandon Bean when speaking about um, Christian Benford and how good of instincts he has for that specific position in their defense, he basically termed it as you've either got it or you don't with instincts. And Benford, in his mind, has it. And this is maybe a lesser observation, but when it came to Kair Elam, when Sean McDermott was asked about, you know, his pro- Elam's progress and everything like that, McDermott shifted the answer away from talking about Elam to talking about all three guys and the competition itself. And so take from that what you will. Maybe it's a Maybe it's him not wanting to heap too much praise on a young player still in a competition, or maybe it's, you know, him not wanting to talk about Elam. One of those could be true. 
But to me, I think Benford has been the strongest of the three. And, you know, just seems like he is more of a fit for what they're looking for out of the cornerback position than than Jackson or, or Elam at this point. But it'll all come down to performance. In preseason games, we have to see if the rotation continues the way that, that it has through the first six days. Because you'll, if one of these guys starts to get consistent first-team time every day, then we'll start to get a sense that, okay, who's ahead here? But I think Benford has, has, been, has been really good so far and almost had an interception on day six based off how he read the play and played a hunch even. I think he was supposed to be a little bit more closer to the line, reads Kyle Allen uh, like crazy, uh, backpedals and, and nearly, nearly picks off a pass. Because because of his positioning and, and the hunch he played. And that's the type of stuff that the Bills are talking about. So yeah, for me, Benford, early edge. All right, the kind of the, the way that I wanted to go through some other players is lumping them into two different categories here. One being players that I have been impressed by so far throughout camp. And it's early. Players or position groups, I'll say. And some guys that have maybe opened the door to other players, maybe to steal playing time, maybe to steal a roster spot. Uh, It just depends by situation. So I'll, I'll begin with players that I've been impressed by so far. And the first one that I immediately wrote down was James Cook. And he, to me, represents a lot into what where they want their offense to go. Now, not saying that he is going to become the most important offensive player ahead of Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs. That's just simply not the case. But everything that they have done this offseason at the running back position has indicated this internal belief in James Cook's potential. I mean, go down the list. They let, or they traded away uh, Devin Singletary. Or I'm sorry, they traded away Zach Moss for Naheem Hines. They let Devin Singletary walk in free agency. They brought back Naheem Hines, who really was not a competitor for playing time against James Cook. Would he have mixed in with the first team unit? Yes. But they chose to bring him back on a reduced contract, of course. But that was one of their avenues toward shaping their running back room. On top of that, they signed Damian Harris, who is a completely different style back than the one that they normally utilize within their offense, to a one-year very low risk deal with not a ton of guarantees, a little over a million in guaranteed money. He'll be on the team, but it's not as though it's saying, okay, he's going to play a ton. 
draft goes by, they don't draft one. They wind up bringing Latavius Murray, a 33-year-old running back, very experienced. Probably not going to factor in to taking time away from James Cook's total snap count. And what we have seen so far throughout camp has been Cook being heavily involved in the passing game. For instance, today, uh, on Tuesday, August 1st, day six of camp, Josh Allen completed 12 passes in team drills. Five of them were to James Cook. And he also mixed in with some good runs as uh, with, with some good vision uh, along the day as well. And, you know, today was not the first time that Cook has, has popped in the passing game. Even not in team drills. There was one play where uh, he he burned a defender down the sideline, and uh, I think it was on one-on-ones, and had an excellent over-the-shoulder catch uh, right in the end zone. And it's just evident of his speed, his separation skills, his route running, and his ability to make a, a pretty tough catch. So that all goes into it. And there's also, I think, an internal belief that Cook can become, one day, not to say he's there yet, a, a three-down back type. So if, based on what we've seen so far, there is nothing that I think is standing in the way of Cook playing at least over half of the offensive snaps. And I could see him breaking into the 60s, uh, 60% for when he's healthy enough to play because they, they have a pretty strong belief in him. And I know, you know, the, the Jonathan Taylor situation with Indianapolis is worth monitoring. We've seen the Bills at least show some degree of interest in trading for a big-name running back in the past. Though I do wonder if part of the reason, I do wonder if they'll be interested this time around. And a big part of that reason is what they've seen from James Cook so far. And the fact that they have Cook on a cost-controlled deal for the next three seasons. And they could franchise tag him the year after that. And we've seen the uh, the franchise tag amount for running backs go down because running backs just aren't getting paid like they used to be. So at least four years of roster control on James Cook. I'll always add, just never say never with the running back position and Brandon Bean because it always seems like he's looking. Though... You know, you do have to wonder if the Bills would be willing to cough up the draft compensation it would take along with the contract extension it would take in order for all parties to be satisfied with the move. The only thing I'll I'll say is never say never because they're in the Super Bowl window and, and you just never know. But I would tend to think that if Taylor gets traded, my guess is is it it's somewhere other than Buffalo. Well, like I said, never say never. <laughs> Brandon Bean has surprised everyone before. And even if it doesn't make the most logical sense, maybe he senses an opportunity to have a great one-two punch with Taylor and uh, and James Cook. Maybe they go about it that way. But I do know they really like James Cook. And I think he's in line for a big role this year if, if they don't do anything else at the position. 
All right, the uh, another player that has impressed me to this point throughout camp has been Cam Lewis, the defensive back who switched la- late last summer, the final preseason of the game, from nickel cornerback to safety, wound up playing safety the rest of the season for the Bills, really grew into a special teams role, a trusted special teams role for um, coordinator Matthew Smiley, and safety is where he began his training camp with the Bills. First couple of days, he was just taking all his reps at safety, and it seemed like, okay, the, the position switch seems to be complete here. But then, as the next few days kind of rolled on here, we've seen the Bills kind of experimenting at nickel corner. You know, Taron Johnson is their locked-in guy, no doubt. He's their starter. He's one of the best players, in my opinion. But it seems a little unsettled after him. We've seen Saran Neal get into the game in that role a few times. Hasn't gone great. It's been fine at times, but hasn't gone great. Usually you want him in more of like a sub-package role rather than an every-snap role. So they've tried out guys like Taylor Rapp at nickel at at certain points. Dean Marlowe has mixed in. And lo and behold, so has Cam Lewis. And the reason why I highlight Cam Lewis for this is because that is his natural position. And when he got back to it, it was really interesting to see him just fire back in, broke up a pass with a with a with a diving PBU. It was it was an impressive play. And it just speaks to his versatility within this defense and the role that he's kind of setting up for himself here. You know, if he can because once upon a time, I know I've referenced this a lot over the years. But if you're new to the show, once upon a time, Taron Johnson was benched for Cam Lewis. Then Cam Lewis got injured in that first game. I think 10 defensive snaps in. Taron Johnson gets back on the lineup, never looks back, becomes one of the team's best best starters. There's always got to be a certain degree of what could have been for Cam Lewis. But Nickel is, is more of his natural position. So if he can be that backup to Taron Johnson, because we've seen them trust him, Cam Lewis, in that job before, as well as play safety, and then the trust that I alluded to from special teams coordinator Matthew Smiley, that's three roles within a backup. And you can't ask for much more than that from, from one of your backup players that's going to make your 53-man roster. So I think he has, a very, at least right now, has a very strong chance to make the team. And then there's also this, this side part of the conversation, which I think is important to consider the way that they structure their roster. On day five, it was the first time that DeMar Hamlin had taken part in a fully padded practice. It was a significant day, really cool to see. And certainly, you know, no one would have predicted that he would be out there doing that um, when this when that all happened in January. But practicing is one thing. Practicing with full pads is one thing. Playing in a game and relying on that player is a completely different ballgame. 
So why I think Cam Lewis has uh, just an, another factor on top of his defensive ver versatility and his special teams. Another reason why I think Cam Lewis has a really strong chance to make this team is let's say De they don't either the Bills, DeMar Hamlin, or both say, you know, just not comfortable with, with playing in a game just yet. And you want to have that fourth safety on game day. You want to have that special teams asset on, on game day. That's got Cam Lewis written all over it here. So he can be the fourth safety. He can be the backup nickel. He can be the special teams guy. And he can allow DeMar Hamlin and the Bills to go at their own pace in what is absolutely an unprecedented situation. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So keep your eye on Cam Lewis. I think he's got a really strong chance to make the team as it stands right now. And I think he's had a nice camp. And then the last position group that has impressed, I'll go through this one pretty quick. Uh, defensive tackles to me have been one of the strongest so far. The interior offensive line is still trying to figure some things out. Who's going to play there? Everything like that. But, you know, first team, second team, even some third team guys have kind of have kind of stood out so far. You know, I think Ed Oliver has has been pretty good so far in camp. Daquan Jones has has flashed. Puna Ford has definitely looked the part. Tim Settle before he didn't practice on day six due to a groin injury. He's had a really nice start to his camp. And then even guys like <clears throat> that's not bringing up Jordan Phillips, who is still on the PUP list with his shoulder. But you know, Ely Anku has had some really nice reps here and there. Uh, Kendall Vickers had a sack in, uh, on Tuesday's practice. I think Cortez, Cortez Broughton has had uh, a nice day here and there. So that's a really strong position group to me, and I, I think they're they're in pretty good shape there. And not to mention, they can also be uh, they can also have some help in the forms of defensive ends that can slide inside to defensive tackle and rush from the inside as well. They've got a few of those on the team. So the defensive tackle group and how they've um, gotten into the pocket so far this year at camp has been pretty impressive. And then the other category, the guys that I think have provided some questions about them so far in camp. I'll start with second-year receiver Khalil Shakir. Now, I, won't, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying he's had a bad camp. But he has allowed, by not uh, 
playing at a super consistent level to where, you know, it's just a, a no doubt situation. He's got to be on the field more, 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 more. Still think he has a, a really good chance to be their slot receiver, their primary third receiver when they go with three receivers. I think all that can be true. But he has not separated himself from the competition. Has had a couple of drops throughout camp and allowed guys like Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy to for them to think about playing them over him. Sherfield, I think, has been better at camp so far. Hardy, I think, has been better at camp so far. It's just a matter of what they do in the in the preseason games. And, and certainly, I think Dalton Kincaid has been better than all three of those guys. Which goes to my point earlier in the episode. But Shakir, to me, I think needs to step it up a little bit here. And seeing him kind of, not take over a practice, but you know, just be more than a low target guy. In one of these days, I think I think would be a good signal because we have seen Sherfield do that in, in bits and pieces. And when Deontay Hardy has gotten out there, we've seen that speed being able to get down the field and um, and certainly in the intermediate area. So just want to see a little bit more from Shakir. I don't I don't think he's been bad by any means. I just think he's kept the door open a little bit on, on everybody else and hasn't quite taken that second year leap that I think people were hoping for. But it's early. I do want to stress that it is early. Another player that I think has kind of kept the door open in a different way is Shaq Lawson. Shaq has long been uh, a favorite of fans. I mean, he's a, he's a really funny guy. He's great for the locker room. The Bills love having him there. And he's come back on a one-year minimum contract each of the last two years. But this camp... The speed just hasn't been there, and the pass rushing ability hasn't been uh, as frequent as it was in previous camps when Lawson was around in Buffalo. Still a good run defender, don't get me wrong, but I think with how much they are putting a value on getting at the quarterback and wanting to give time to guys within a game, that can get after the quarterback, Lawson has gone down the list considerably here. And the reason he's keeping the door open is I do wonder if this should continue what this means toward his potential spot on the 53-man roster. Because you think Shaq Lawson, you're like, oh, oh, he's on, no, no doubt about it, former first-round pick. And and he started for them as as recent as last year when – uh, Von Miller went down and Greg Rousseau got injured and, um, you know, AJ Epines and Boogie Basham were on the bench. Oh yeah, he's no doubt, but I don't think that's the case right now. You have to think about how the rest of the defensive line kind of plays into this. Will Von Miller be ready for week one? Maybe not. Will Jordan Phillips be ready for week one? Maybe not. Like I just talked about with Cam Lewis, they might want to keep five safeties this year. So that's a piece of the puzzle. Can they afford to keep Shaq Lawson if, because he doesn't play special teams, 
if he is not proving himself as a pass rusher. And if you would rather those reps go to A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham, why is he on, on the active roster? If he's not providing value to your team, why is he on the roster? So I think this is opening the window to not only another defensive end to make the team over him, whether it be guys like Shane Ray, who had a nice start to camp, has kind of faded back since the first couple of days, or Kingsley Jonathan, who had a really nice end to his season last year. Like Those are options. Or do you you just keep someone at a different position? Because I will tell you this. Shaq Lawson, even though the name usually means uh, you, you hear the name, you're like, oh, he's in. But is guaranteed money? Not a ton. I'm going to get the exact amount, but I think it's somewhere in the 300, 400,000 range of, let's see, guaranteed salary, 300,000, and he had a 152,500 dollar signing bonus so that's only four hundred fifty thousand guaranteed money which you know to you and me hey great everybody else or to the nfl not a ton so he is definitely not guaranteed a roster spot from that perspective and he was not that heavily sought after in free agency which makes me believe that they could get him to the practice squad pretty easily because they love him in the locker room. But if he's not having a function on game day, if they want to give snaps to, then I think you can take the chance of cutting him with the hopes that you get him on the practice squad in one of those six veteran spots. So, yeah, keep an eye on Shaq Lawson here and and whether or not he kind of ramps it up here uh, at training camp. And definitely along the same lines, keep an eye on Von Miller's progress and Jordan Phillips' progress because, you know, keeping more than nine defensive linemen could be untenable to begin the 2023 season. But if both Phillips and Von Miller are going to start the year on, on the PUP list, then that certainly gives Shaq Lawson a better crack at it. So he's definitely on the bubble for me right now, and we'll see how the rest of the summer plays out. The last one I'll get to, the the guys that have kind of left the the window open here, I think it's been, through the first six days, a pretty big struggle for uh, their 2021 fifth-round pick, Tommy Doyle, the offensive tackle. He's coming off a torn ACL from September of last year, and he's mostly been working as a third-team offense, offensive tackle. As a pass blocker, it has not gone really well for him. And, you know, you do want to be cognizant of the fact that he is working back from a major injury and that it's going to be slow to get all the way back to, to where you were before that. But... In terms of challenging one of David Quesenberry or Brandon Shell for a spot on the 53-man roster, I just I I don't know that there's a way 
there's a way to look at what he's done so far and have some confidence that if you needed him to be the first offensive tackle in for one of Spencer Brown or Deion Dawkins, that he's going to be the guy. I think it would be a liability wait, waiting to happen just this early after his his uh, rehab from a torn ACL. So I don't know what that means for him potentially making the 53-man roster. I think he's very much a bubble case as well. And, you know, we'll have to see how he does in preseason games. If he shows some things, maybe they feel like they can't subject him to waivers or... Maybe if he continues to look the way that he has in camp so far as a pass rusher or as a pass blocker, then maybe they feel like they can take the chance on it. So, so yeah, he's going to be one that you should keep an eye on, number 72, because he'll get a bunch of time during the preseason trying to work himself back, and they would like to see him make the team because they invested in him, but it's now his third season, and... I don't know that there would necessarily be as much of a rush on waivers for a team to claim him as opposed to some guys in their first or second seasons. All right, so that is a pretty good base of as to what has happened at, at camp so far, the main competitions, how the rookies are looking, and you know some guys that have stood out for good and bad reasons. So the next... A little while here, the Bills have a practice on Thursday. They've got a practice um, back in Orchard Park at the stadium, their, red, their annual red versus blue day uh, on Friday night. Got Saturday off, then they've got, they've got a practice on Sunday and after in, in, uh, at St. John Fisher University, and then a couple of practice after that next week, and then camp is done. Pretty quick, 11 days total. Get in, get out, and and uh, then they start to prepare for their first preseason game. Not this weekend, but the weekend after that, which will be at home. So, all kind of uh, all kind of adds up. Only four more weeks to go before uh, before final cuts are due, and only a little bit more time after that until the Bills get ready for their first regular season game on the road against the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. So a lot to uh, to learn over the next few weeks. And we'll be sure to get back into it. Maybe, you know, once, uh, once things kind of start to settle in, maybe a day before camp ends, maybe right as camp ends, we'll figure it out uh, once, once we get closer to it. But, but certainly a lot to keep track of as, as the time goes on. All right. So that's going to do it for me. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Buffalo beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you for listening, subscribing and all you do. If you haven't yet head over to the, to the slash the Buffalo beat to get your subscription to the athletic, to read all my written observations uh, of these training camp practices, some, some uh, roster theory and certainly how, how guys are doing from one day to the next And there will be a lot more as we get closer to the season. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you a little bit later in training camp. See you then.